0: Hey, tonight we got a great evening in store. Uh, We've been announcing this. We've been announcing the fact that Kim is going to show up and she's going to share with us and about anxiety and some stress, but mainly about the the topic of uh, depression. And so, you guys, please welcome Kim as she comes up to share with us. Thank you, Scott.
1: Good evening, everybody. It's so good to be here. I'm really excited about being here tonight. Um, I thought that Scott said in his text message there were going to be 35 people. And so I pulled into the parking lot and I was like, wait, this is more than 35 people. Oh my God, it's in the main sanctuary. So, But I'm really excited to be here. My, my biggest challenge, speaking tonight, there's three challenges that I have to overcome. And one is that I am a woman and Scott has given me a time limit on how long I can talk. And I, I don't know if he allots more time for women, but in the future he should, because we have twice as many words as men and we, to, we talk more. And so this is a struggle to be done on time. Thank you for your support. And then the second one is that I have a history of over-talking. Chronically in school, my teacher would say, She's a great kid, but she talks too much. Can you please, I mean, they were doing testing for ADHD back then, so I just always got in trouble for it. And here's the last one, is that I grew up in a Pentecostal church, and it was like, go till the spirit is over. So, but I am a therapist now, and so I'm going to keep that boundary. And Scott told me, if he starts moving around, I know it's time to stop. So I'm like, boy, this is a challenge, 30 minutes. Okay, Lord, help me. No, but I'm really excited to be here. Um, I've... You know, I kind of was like, how did people say, how did you get started to be a therapist? I have no idea. I mean, maybe it was the trauma my brother and I fighting all the time. I was probably baptized a hundred times in the pool in my course of growing up by the hands of my brother, a dunk. Um, And so, but you know, I really had a heart to serve God, and I wanted to be a missionary. I actually did some work overseas, and I was over there for about a year, and I was like, ah, this is, and I kind of want to be back in the States. Um, And I came back, and... um, I just always wanted to help people. I worked at a Christian radio station, a small one, before K-Love was world popular. It was called KYCC, and I dj there for about 10 years. Um, and so my mom is actually still the manager there. So I did that, but, um, oh, that was my fourth reason why it was hard for me to quit. Talk. I'm used to talking to Mike by myself and can carry on a conversation. Um, but I, I just really wanted to work with people in their pain and in their hurt. And so that's really what took me back to school. And I started off in a Christian private practice and honest to God couldn't make enough money to buy diapers. And I ended up getting on at St. Joseph's Behavioral Health in Stockton and leading groups there um, you know, for 10 years. And I worked with, um, I mean, the majority of my patients had had a suicide attempt Um, I remember one time being in session and having a gentleman in my group that had a bullet wound in his head, and it was just very common. I mean, I worked with um, thousands of people because, as you know, know, we're all getting older, and so I've had a lot of time in. And then I kind of was done with that. I did private practice, and then God led me to Kaiser, and um, I'm there right now, and I work specifically... With teens, but I only work with teens who have been hospitalized, or we feel like they're gonna—they're actively suicidal—and so that is my clientele. So every day, I am working with people and trying to help them live. So I'm very passionate about this, and. Um, I I told Scott, I said, you know, sometimes I have an open door to talk with people at work about God or bring their faith in. I said, but I'm so excited about tonight because I'm passionate about helping people with mental health issues, and I'm glad I can bring God and make Him the centerpiece. So I want to talk to you from my heart, and um, I've been praying about this, and I know uh, my prayer has just been that you would have an open heart and that the seed that's planted in your heart tonight would just grow and take root. And I believe, with all of my heart, if you are struggling with depression, or anxiety, or any type of mental health issue, that um, God is going to speak to you tonight. And I know He's going—I know He's going to. And and I'm excited about that. And the worship helped me get over my nervousness because I thought there were only going to be 35 people. I was going to be in a back room just chit-chatting with some people. But I want to talk to you about—you know—what does the Bible have to say about depression? It says a lot about depression, and honestly, we, we cannot go all the way through it. I'm looking, oh, there's my clock. Okay, I told you I was gonna keep the boundary. Um, And I want to talk to you about Elijah. So Elijah, his story starts in 1 Kings, and um, 1 Kings 17, we see Elijah is a prophet of God, and he is honestly, his ministry is so dramatic. It's almost like this Vegas Hollywood show. I mean, it just God shows up in these just dramatic ways and so you know we hear about elijah and elijah is speaking to the king saying hey listen you know what you've been sinning you haven't been doing what's right so you know what god says no water for you we're gonna have a drought so god you know calls a drought god says hey elijah you go take off king ahab's gonna be after your life he goes he's fed literally by ravens and he drinks from a brook okay and then the brook dries up, and God says, Okay, go to this village. You're going to meet a widow. And he says to the widow, Go, mate. I'm going through the story quickly because I'm keeping my boundary. And so he says, Make, make the cake, do what you need to do. And, and she says, I was going to make the last cake, and I was going to die. And he said, Well, make one for me, and God will take care of you. And you will not go without food. It, as long as there's a drought, you will have flour and oil. So she does it, and God shows up. Her son dies. And Elijah prays for him, and God raises him up from the dead. I mean, are you getting the picture? Like, this is not like little miracle. These are like dramatic things. I don't know anybody that's prayed for somebody, and they came up from the dead. And that's saying a lot, because I grew up in a Pentecostal church. So, so he, God speaks to him, and he says, okay. Go back and talk to Ahab. Well, King Ahab has been after Elijah for three years, trying to hunt him down, turning over every stone, can't find him. And he goes to Elijah, and King Ahab sees him, and he says, oh, you're the one. You're the troubler in Israel. And Elijah says to the king, no, you are. This is all brought on by you. But you know what? Today, God is going to cause it to rain. So you gather all your false prophets of Baal, you gather them, and we're going to have a meeting and we're going to meet at Mount Carmel, and you're going to see who's God. So he goes there, and he it's a drought, right? So he tells, I think there was 350, 450 prophets of Baal. They get out there. They put the oxen on the altar. They're, they're praying. They're cutting themselves. They're bleeding. They're calling on their God. This goes on until afternoon. Elijah starts to mock them. You know, why don't you call louder? Your God can't hear you. He's sleeping. He's on vacation. I mean, he's just dramatic, okay? And all of a sudden, Elijah says, Enough, enough, okay? You get your stuff out of here. Takes all their stuff out of there. He repairs the altar that's been broken. He repairs it. He puts the oxen on it and he tells, It's a drought. And he says, Three times, go fill the trenches with water. Soaks. The oxen with water because he's like, God's gonna answer, and you're not gonna be like, well, it was because we got it warmed up with Baal. So he prays a simple prayer, and God comes down with fire and consumes the sacrifice, consumes it. And the people of Israel who have gone astray and who have left God say, This is the God. And Elijah said to Ahab, you head home because it's gonna rain. And he has them kill all the prophets of Baal. Okay, this is isn't this a dramatic story? I promise you, it's such a good read. First Kings 17. It's wonderful. So he goes up to the mountain and he prays. And he says, He's praying, God, let it rain. Okay, he's prophesied, he's told them in faith it's gonna rain, but it's not raining. Okay, and his servant says to him it's not raining. He said, you keep going back. You keep looking out at the sea. Even if you have to go seven times, you keep looking and you tell me when you see it. So after the seventh time he goes out, he comes back and he says, there is a cloud, but it's only the size of a man's hand. And he goes, it's going to rain. Elijah, wait, the story is unbelievable. You can't make this up. Okay. So Elijah gets his robe, whatever that looks like, and saddles it up because it's long. I'm telling you, it's like flash. And that's my superhero. If I could be any superhero when people ask that question, I say flash because I want to run that fast. So here's Elijah. He starts to run so fast that he outruns Ahab's chariot. Can you literally imagine? I mean, that's the kind of miracle I want in my life. It gets better. Now, This has happened, it starts to rain. I mean, God is showing up so powerfully in this man's life. Okay, he is having this mountaintop experience, right? And then the next day, King Ahab's wife Jezebel hears about it, and Ahab goes and he cries to his wife, Oh, guess what Elijah did? And she says, So help me. If I don't do to him what he's done to all the prophets of Baal, I will kill him. And Elijah is scared. Now, Elijah takes off and he runs. Now, y'all know I'm a woman because I'm standing up here. I have two boys, and when they did wrestling, I'm just going to level with you. I told them, if a girl shows up on the mat, you fight her like you would fight anybody because she's showing up there to fight. And if you lose to a girl, you're walking home, okay? (laughs) So... I'm sorry, that's just how it is. If you're going to show up to do it, then let's, let's do it. Give that woman, she wants to fight, let's do it. I'm not against it. I'm just saying. And I'm saying, now think about this. All these things happening, and now Elijah is running from a woman. I think that was part of his depression, and I'm not kidding you. And so he's running from a woman, and he, he after a day's journey, he drops off a servant. He lets go of somebody that's important to him. I mean, think about it. He's had a servant with him all the time. He drops him off. The Bible says he laid down. Well, let me just read it to you because it's better if I can read it to you. I have to wear glasses nowadays and it's really challenging with the mask. Um, so he lays down and he says, he says to me, he says to God, he says, enough, God. He said, I just want to die take my life, I'm ready to join my ancestors in the grave. And exhausted, he fell asleep under the bush. Now the angel of the Lord came and woke him up and said, you need to eat because you have a journey ahead of you. And he ate and he went back to sleep and he said, eat again. And he walked for 40 days on that food until he arrived at the Mount of God. And when he got to the mount of God, he went into the cave and he fell asleep. That's all the Bible tells us. Okay. Now, I know we don't know everything that happened, but I have worked 20 years with depressed people, and I have seen thousands of people that are depressed. Okay. And this is what I believe. I believe that Elijah was depressed the day he said, I want to die. And he was depressed his whole journey. Why do I believe that? I'm glad you asked. Because he went into a cave and he fell asleep. Now, here's the interesting thing. He went to the Mount of God. Do do you understand what this was? This is the same mountain that Moses had had a call of God, the burning bush, when God spoke to him. this is the same mountain that he received the Ten Commandments. And this is the mountain that is called the mountain of God, where God speaks to his man, and God calls him to come here, and he goes to sleep. I mean, that would be like taking your spouse to the most romantic place in the world, and they just go to sleep on you. I'm serious. This is a place where he's supposed to have something with his prophet, and he goes to sleep. Why? Because he's depressed. He's depressed, and I believe with all of my heart, those 40 days when he was walking, he was ruminating. You know what ruminating is? It's when you think about something over and over and over again. It's when you keep playing it over and over again. And I believe with all of my heart, On his way there, he was rehearsing how God had let him down. Because Elijah knew the God of raising the dead, providing food, causing a drought, bringing rain down from heaven, bringing fire down from heaven. Not the God of I'm running from my life, from a woman who wants to kill me and is running the country. And he was disappointed in God. And I'm going to tell you where depression comes in. There are many things to be said about depression. This is not all of it, but this is part of it. We have needs and wants. Start off with that, number one. Elijah, what he needed, what he wanted, was he wanted his country to know God, to love God, to serve God, to be used of God in a powerful and a dramatic way. He had a need, he had a want. Number two he had an expectation. His expectation was that God was going to show up like he always did and in the same way. But you know what? Sometimes our expectations are unrealistic and we don't know it. And sometimes they're realistic and they still don't happen because that's life. But when our expectations are unmet, right there, open up the door Hurt, bitterness, anger, depression, anxiety, guilt. And when that emotion gets so strong and it becomes so painful, there's another door that opens up, and that's impulsive behavior. And that's the way to numb. And that's a way to get rid of the pain, we think. And Elijah was disappointed in God. He was disappointed, not just in God, but he was disappointed in everyone. Everyone. This was not what he signed up for. When he signed up to be a prophet, this is not what he signed up for. But yet, it was in his life. So he goes into the cave, and he falls asleep because he wants to, he want, that's how he's dealing with it. I'm not dealing with it. I don't care that I am at the mount of God. I'm not dealing with it because you know what? I'm tired. And God says to him, this is such a beautiful story, and God says to him, Elijah, what are you doing? I just love God when I think of God as the Father because that's like that rhetorical question, you know, when your parents were like, like, what are you doing, Kim? They already know what you're doing. God already knew what was going on with Elijah. He knew it better than him. He can read his thoughts, but he asked him, and you know why? I'm going to tell you why. Because smart parents sometimes become stupid so their kids can become smart, because they ask questions, because they want their kid to think. If I tell you what to do, you're not going to own it. But if I ask you a question and act like I don't know what the answer is and get you to do some thinking, you're going to take a little bit of ownership of it, right? Right? And so God is asking Elijah. He's not telling him what to do. There are times when God tells us, but He's He wants Elijah to do his own thinking. And you know what Elijah says? Let me find it. Find it here. Had all my notes written out. This is what I just I just love this. He said, and just hear his heart. I've been working my heart out. For the God of angel armies, said Elijah, the people of Israel have abandoned your covenant, destroyed your places of worship, murdered your prophets, and I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me. And then God told him, go stand on the mountain at attention before God, and God will pass by. And you know this, some of you may know the story that there was an earthquake that shattered the rocks. There was the wind, there was the fire, and God wasn't in that. See, that's what Elijah, I believe he was looking for, because everything about Elijah had been dramatic. But God was in the whisper, and he was in the still, small voice. And after that, God asked Elijah the same question, same question, Elijah, what are you doing here? But this time, Elijah felt heard and understood And he tells him the same thing. I honestly wish I had more time to land on this for a while, but this is what I want to tell you and what I know tonight is that God is calling you out of the cave. The cave that you're in. We go into a cave for many reasons. We go into isolation and withdrawal and disengagement when we're depressed. We go into our cave We go into our cave when we're ashamed of what we've done. And when we have guilt, we go into hiding. And when we're anxious, we run and we go into the cave. And what I'm telling you is that God is calling you out of the cave. And he's calling you out. And the thing about a whisper is, a whisper is something you have to be close to somebody to whisper. And God was close to Elijah And God told Elijah, he said, get out of your cave. You're going to go and you're going to anoint two kings. And you're going to anoint a mentor, Elisha. And whoever doesn't escape the sword of this king will get it from this king. And if they don't get it from him, they'll get it from the prophet. I am not through with you. Your life has meaning. Your life has purpose. I have a plan for your life, and I'm going to use you. Get up and get out of the cave. Amen. You know, the, the devil, the enemy, mimics what God does. And I'm going to tell you something that I have really noticed with people that struggle with mental illness. I've noticed when I'm struggling with my anxiety, I've noticed what I'm doing is I'm listening to a whisper. I kid you not, this is a true story. Probably over 20 years ago, I was going to church, and there was a woman that went to that church that chronically struggled with anger and frustration. And I don't know what you'll think of the story, but I'm just going to tell it to you because it came to me last night. Maybe it's for one person. One night, her husband woke up in the middle of the night Um, and saw a spirit whispering in her ear. She was always bitter. She was always angry. And he felt like there was something that was whispering in her ear. He was not hallucinating. He was not psychotic. I believe that the enemy whispers to us, and I see it every day. And you know what he whispers to you? He whispers, you're not enough you will never overcome it. You will always be a failure. You're not good enough. You can't get over it. You can't do it. It won't work out. And he whispers that in your ear. If he showed up in a dramatic way, you wouldn't even be bothered because you'd be like, ah, that's the devil. But he whispers in your ear. And I'm going to tell you something else that happens in your cave. It's not only The enemy that whispers in your ear, but I'm going to tell you who else is whispering in your ear. Somebody in your past that has robbed you of your present. And I will put money on that right now because it's true. It's true that when you come out of, when you're in that cave and you're in your head, your self-talk is feeding. It is feeding that depression. It is feeding that anxiety. And we see all the symptoms of depression in Elijah. He felt alone. And God told him, that was the other thing God said, Elijah, you feel like you're alone, but you know what? There are 7,000 people that have never bowed their knee to Baal or kissed his face. You are not alone. And when you're depressed, you feel alone. And this is what I've always likened depression to it's a fog because you know what on a clear day you have perspective you can see things oh they're there for me at celebrate recovery oh god's on my side oh this but let that fog come in and you can't see anything i've been driving to my house out in the country and i have passed my house by half a mile when it's foggy because i can't see it my house didn't move my visibility changed and i want to tell you this That the God that we see the elements in the life of Elijah, he showed up for the drought. He showed up for the rain. He showed up for the fire that fell from heaven. He showed up in the earthquake. He showed up again in the fire and in the rain and the storm. And in Elijah, he showed up and he lifted the fog. And Elijah left that place. But God said, you do your part. I'm telling you, you have a purpose. This is, here's the thing. Tonight, you're going to make a decision. And some of you are really going to make a decision. And this is going to be a defining moment for you. Not because of me, but because God is speaking to your heart and you know it's the truth. Because the truth resonates in your heart. And some of you are going to make a decision right now, I'm not going to listen to the voice of my parent that abused me. I'm not going to listen to the voice of my ex that hurt me. I'm going to come out of the cave and I'm going to quit playing that same thing. It's hard to go to the next chapter in your life when you keep going back to the previous one, right? right? There's a reason why, you've heard the saying, there's a reason why the rear view is so small, right? We're not going like this. It's to reflect. It's not to keep looking. We have to move forward and we have to come out of the cave. I want you to just, for a moment, I want you to just close your eyes. and i want you i want you to think about the whispers that you've heard from the enemy i mean some of you have been playing the same song that a parent said to you that a teacher said to you that a coach and some of you have been playing the same whispers of what people didn't say with their words but what they said with their actions through their abuse I want you to make a choice that you are going to listen to what God is whispering. What is God saying to you right now? I don't know what God is saying to you, but I do know this. What God says is, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will never abandon you. God says, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. God said, You are more than a conqueror through Christ. God said, You can do all things through me. He says, My grace is sufficient, even in your weakness. God says, I am enough. I am your shepherd. You lack nothing in your life. Just open your eyes for a minute, and I'm just going to kind of wrap up with a story. I wasn't going to, but I I feel it's appropriate. I got a great relationship with my dad. He's just the best. And um, my dad grew up in an alcoholic family, and his dad died from alcohol, cirrhosis of the liver. Um, kicked out at you know 16 years old, told to just find your own way in life. Um, my dad made up his mind he wasn't going to be that way with us. He wasn't perfect, but he was a great dad. As a kid, I would always see my dad with uh, legal pads, and he would always be writing notes. You know, he would listen to positive thinking. He would quote scriptures, Philippians 4, you know, Philippians 4.13, I, I wasn't allowed to use the word can't when I was a kid. Um, he'd make me quote it if I set a goal and I couldn't reach, reach it. And I kind of thought it was comical because I was a teenager, and so of course my dad was weird. I was a teenager. So um, I realized as I got older that my dad was overcoming evil with good. It's not enough just to one time say it, Right? If you've had years of something over and over that's been repeated in your brain, there's pathways in your brains and neurons that join. You have to keep doing the right thing and saying it. You don't say something because you feel it. You say it because you believe it, and that's faith. I believe tonight God is calling you out of your cave, and I'm asking you to listen to his whisper and what he's saying to you. Thank you so much for your time. Kim. That was awesome.
0: Thank you for sharing with us tonight. Um, I don't know if you know this, but last week I taught on the story of Elijah calling down the fire. And uh, very cool that you'd come in and show us what happens after that moment and talk to us and uh, help us lift that fog from our life, and so let's hear it for Kim one more time. Hey, um, I encourage you go to group if you're struggling. Some of those thoughts, some of those things. Make sure you're talking to your sponsor, your accountability partner, talk to your facilitator. But uh, let's close the Serenity Prayer, and then we'll head out to group. God. so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next, amen.